This episode is sponsored by the Learn Jazz Standards Inner Circle. If your goal is to level up your jazz playing this year and feel confident improvising over jazz standards, the Inner Circle has everything you need and more. With monthly jazz standard studies, a library of powerful courses, and a vibrant community of like-minded musicians, you're guaranteed to improve your playing every single month. Podcast listeners can get 50% off their first month when you go to ljsinnercircle.com. That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever worked really hard in the practice room, put a lot of hours in working on a particular piece of music, and then when you finally got on stage, you finally got to your gig to perform whatever music it was that you wanted to play, everything just tanked and it didn't go very well. Has it ever happened to you? Well, it's happened to just about everybody, and that's why on today's episode, I have a very special guest on to talk to us about how to practice towards fail-proof performances but before we jump into that let's cue the music welcome to the ljs podcast where you get weekly jazz tips interviews stories and advice for becoming a better jazz musician and now your host he's a jazz musician author and entrepreneur brent bartstra All right. Hey, what's up, everybody? Brent here. I'm the jazz musician behind LearnJazzStandards.com, a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. Hey, I am totally excited today because like I said, we have a special guest on the show. And uh, this guy, he's been on the show before. And I like having him back because he always just unloads a ton of valuable information, not only on you, but on me too. I learned a lot from him. And that is drummer, composer, uh, jazz musician, musician in general, Diego Maldonado. Uh, so excited. He's going to talk to us about how to practice towards fail-proof performances because Diego is a practicer who knows how to really make improvements in the practice room and then go out there and just play in, on this incredibly professional level. And I've been playing with him for years. I've known him for, for many years now. And uh, he's just a musician that I look up to. And I know that you uh, will too and get a lot of value from him. So definitely stick around. You can find him at DiegoTheDrummer.com. And of course, you can also find him on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and whatnot at Diego the Drummer. So definitely check him out. Now, this is while Diego is a drummer, this is, uh, of course, advice for every instrumentalist. Uh, so uh, definitely stick around for all of that. Hey, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, Make sure you do that. Click that subscribe button wherever you listen to your podcast, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify or uh, you know Stitcher, whatever it is. Make sure you subscribe to the show. I don't want you to miss anything that is going on here. Uh, so much. Uh, we have so many great episodes planned for the future, and I'm really actually looking forward to uh, these upcoming episodes coming up. So definitely make sure you are subscribed. And uh, hey, I'm going to stop talking. Let's jump into this talk with Diego Maldonado. All right, welcoming on the show today is drummer, jazz musician, teacher, composer, Diego Maldonado, my good friend, Diego. Thanks for being back on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Brand. It's always a pleasure to be uh, on uh, on the podcast. Man, I'm really excited uh, because uh, 
you know, you just have so much to talk about when it comes to, you know, you're one of the musicians I know that is just a, a, a notorious hardcore practicer. And, you know, ever since I've known you, which I think I've we've known each other for like eight years or something like that, you that? are just always in the practice room. Uh, you know, even after college, you know, you got your little practice studio out in Williamsburg that you're just, you know, you're going out there all the time and you're just shedding. Uh, you're someone that I, when I think about a practicer that I look up to, you're, you're one of them. So uh, I know you're just going to unload a ton of value on the audience today, but uh, you've been on the show before. So those who've been listening uh, to the show since uh, the, the early days when you were first on it probably recognize you. But for those who don't, why don't you give everybody the one minute Diego Maldonado bio, who you are, what you're all about. All right. So I am uh, originally from Venezuela um, in South America. Um, I moved up uh, to New York City for good about uh, nine years ago. Uh, I went to the City College of New York. Um, uh, I studied with great uh, teachers there with like uh, Mike Holliver, um, uh, uh, Scott Reeve, uh, also with drummers like Adam Cruz, uh, uh, Mark Mark Ferber and uh, Kendra Scott. Um, And and uh, well, I'm uh, pretty much a, a session drummer. I've mm, been playing gigs uh, here in the United States with uh, a bunch of different artists, uh, from jazz to uh, singer songwriters, uh, pop, rock, and uh, that's exactly the same that I used to do in Venezuela. Uh, before I moved to New York City, I I was uh, pretty dedicated to education. I was teaching in one of the uh, largest and prestigious uh, jazz and, and contemporary music academies in Venezuela, in Caracas, called El Taller de Jazz. Um, and uh, yeah, well, my career has been pretty much about performing and also I'm pretty passionate about education. So I've been uh, investing a lot of my time, or my, my, my professional time, um, being, um, being the best teacher I can be because, you know, uh, I think uh, uh, as it is important for us musicians to to perform, it's also important to know how to pass the, the information and the knowledge that we gain through the years and experience though. So that's pretty much what I am. Yeah, absolutely. And when I first met you, you had already like a really successful career going on in Venezuela. Then you moved over to New York and, you know, you just you just been doing it ever since. Um, Just a really inspiring uh, character for sure. And so let's go back a little further, though, as far as like, how did you get started even into music? Like what got you inspired? And maybe, you know, eventually you really kind of started really focusing on jazz, even though you play a lot of other different styles of music. How did that all come about? Uh. I think was just uh, listening to a lot of music when I when I was growing up uh, when I was little, my my dad and my and my my older brother they were like uh, uh, really like music lovers and they, my my dad used to have a huge record collection and the same my brother used to have you know tons of uh, CDs and every kind of music you know I was listening to you know rock uh, jazz Latin music uh big bands everything and uh, i used to spend all my afternoon just like going through records and cds and stuff like that and at some point when i was like nine ten years old i i i felt in love with the with the with the drums and i was like air drumming 
every day <laughs> while listening to music. So uh, that went on for like two years, and my my parents saw that I was kind of serious about drumming because I was like, you know, making my own my own drumsticks out of uh, you know little uh, wood that I would find I would uh, fi uh, find uh, around and just banging everything, you know. And uh, when I was like maybe uh, what t 10 or 11 years old, my parents gave me this really crappy, cheap drum set to see if I was going to be serious about. And uh, I didn't stop since then. So that was, that was pretty much uh, how I got into it. I always like uh, hearing like stories of people how they got into the whole thing because it's it's really kind of interesting to hear how you know like something can change your life so much and mm -hmm. just like completely change the directory of your life and yeah uh, I don't know just those little choices that happen and just just to understand the evolution you know just understanding like the evolution of you as a musician and just mm -hmm. understanding where you come from I mm -hmm. think those stories are really important especially as it, when it comes to just in general when we're trying to improve as musicians to understand those backgrounds and to understand how great musicians came to be where they are exactly. um, and even to look at your own story and just see uh, you know see where you came from and how you got into the music and everybody's stories is so different so I always ask that question now I'm like I said a little bit earlier, I'm excited to have you on to talk because you're somebody that just is a serial practicer, but <laughs> you're not just someone that practices for the sake of practicing. Like when I hear about the things that you're working on in the practice room, like you're working on things, uh, you're not only you're working on the right things, you're working on things in such a way that you actually produce real results in your playing. And, you know, I've been playing with you for over eight years or something like that. Yeah. And it's it's been incredible. Like we just played a gig last week and I, I felt like uh, it was it was an incredible gig. Like all the musicians just came together and and played really strongly and just to I mean just to see like all the improvement that all of us have gone through. Yeah. Um so I want to I really want to just start picking your brain. I know my audience wants to get inside of that a little bit. So let me just start with that yeah, basic question. Sure. What what are some of the things that aspiring jazz musicians and maybe musicians even in general should be practicing and working on? Okay. Uh, for me, uh, practicing, uh, I don't think there's one uh, rule. Like, this is it. And because it depends on on your goals it depends on on uh on what what kind of musician you want to be uh and uh and also what kind of music you want to play right so uh i think before you set up a um a, a practice routine you really need to know where you where you where you are at at the moment right uh what are the things that you want to accomplish, and um, and from that from there you can really set up uh, the best practice routine for yourself. So uh, that's what I've been because uh, I use my practice routine uh, as as an experiment for myself. I I, I not I not only practice for for be a better musician, but also for things that I want to teach and see if they actually work. Mm. Um, right. so, uh, that's what I've been, uh, 
um, discovering that uh, there's no one way to practice. You need you need some basic stuff like obviously you need to practice your technique, uh, but uh, and uh, and uh, but uh, after that, you kind of it depends on 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 your goals and what kind of musician you want to be. You know, if you want to be a session drummer, you better spend some time side reading. For instance, if you want to be a right. jazz drummer. You're gonna need to learn a lot of repertoire, so you want to spend some time learning new music. But if you want to be a pop drummer, you don't need to learn that repertoire. You need to get a really, really uh, deep pocket and 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 make those beat sounds really tight. So it depends on on what kind of musician you want to be, and that that's what is gonna give you uh, the right um, uh, routine and the right things to practice on the practice room, though. Yeah, that's. I think that's really important that you're mentioning that. That's something that I teach as well is kind of starting. I mean, if you don't have this overarching goal or focus that you're actually mm-hmm. working towards, you probably really don't know how to set up an action plan to actually exactly. accomplish those things. Mm-hmm. So when you have that vision, and a lot of people skip that, I like to call it master goals. Like if you don't have yeah. that master goal, it's like that big picture goal. And it's mm-hmm. not even like, uh, I want to learn, let's just say, for example, 50 tunes. That's not a, a that's not a goal. That what you're looking for is you're looking for a transformation. Like what is mm-hmm. that transformation? Like mm-hmm. like you were saying, if you want to be a session musician, right? That's mm-hmm. a transformation. Like what does that look like for you? And then you yeah. can break it down and figure out how do I actually get to those yeah. points. What are yeah, some exactly? Yeah, go for it. No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, I mean, what I was gonna say. I mean, I think I said it before, but uh, obviously, when you're starting out, there's some basic things that you have to cover. And every musician have to have to go for it, uh, or go through it. Um, and uh, once that is done, right? You, you, you before you need to get your your technique together, uh, a good tempo, learning how to read music, all your theory, all those those stuff. And that's gonna take maybe a few years to to master, right? But once you get that, you really need to find your passion within the music, right? And uh, and that's when you set those, as, as, as you were saying, your master goals and, and go for it. But, uh, but of course, at first, when you're starting out with your instruments, you need to go for all, you know, get your foundations really strong. Right, absolutely. What are some things that you see aspiring, you know, jazz musicians maybe in general that you've taught in the past, whether they be drummers or other instrumentalists? What are some things that you see that like hold them back? that you see are things that are stopping them from just moving on to the next level? Um, well, one thing is uh, sometimes uh, they don't know what to really practice and they, are, they have not been paying attention to what they really need to become uh, 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 the musician they want to be. And uh, also... Uh, uh, I, I talk about this a lot, and is a uh, you, you have to prepare yourself for performances because that's that's what you want to be. If you want to be a musician, you don't just want you, you don't want to just play at your practice room. You want to play for an audience, and uh, right. that's a different animal than just performing in your in your garage. You know, you you have to prepare yourself to perform. On a stage, and uh, and that's something that sometimes we don't take into account when we, when we practice. But uh, 
but you gotta do it and uh, uh, because when you're on the stage it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's different it's not the same you know and I think that's something you see a lot of musicians they can play really great in their practice room but when they and I went through that that I was one of them uh, and then when you go to a stage you kind of like you know everything goes away and you don't know what to do and you you know so that's something that you really need to to uh, overcome that's uh, a really good point and I think we don't talk about and then we haven't really talked a lot about that on this show and I mm-hmm. think I want to hone in and zero in on that okay. a little bit because we we oftentimes we spend a lot of time practicing and you know we we have teachers that tell us what to practice and you know we spend a lot of time doing that and then I, I'm sure a lot of I know I can relate you can relate and I know that some of the listeners right now can relate of you know going out there you practice really hard and then you get up there on on the stage or at the jam session or whatever it may be and everything's different uh, suddenly there's nerves suddenly there's egos mm-hmm. suddenly there's not the quite you know the amplifier isn't the what you wanted the symbols aren't what you wanted it's not your bass whatever it may be yeah. the room yeah. sounds funny um, yep. And it's in the moment, so you know you maybe weren't prepared for playing things in at that speed. There's so many different variables that when exactly. it comes to a performing situation, it, it, you know maybe that's not what we were pre- preparing for in the practice room. Yeah, we uh, ne- never take those into account, and that's what I what I uh, what I was saying. Uh, and uh, and because we usually set up uh, set up our practice room uh, for the perfect conditions, you know. You have your not really nice posters on the walls. <laughs> you have your really nice PA, so you can play along uh, your uh, play along to your tracks. And uh, you know the 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 room sounds great. You have the right amount of reverb, whatever. And uh, and so there's no distractions, and that's good because you really focus on the things that you you want to do and you want to learn. But when you get to the to the stage. It's never going to be like that. Never. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, I remember a few years ago, I, I, I had this gig outdoors on a summer and it was over 100 degrees and I almost passed out. And you, you, you don't get prepared <laughs> for that kind of things, you know, because you have your AC in your practice room and it's perfect. So there are a lot of uh, uh, things that uh, comes up on a, on a, on a gig that, that take our concentration away uh and uh and our brain's not ready for that and we need to take those into account when we practice though so the moral of the story is practice dehydrated at least three times a week <laughs> turn, turn off your ac sometimes you know but the thing <laughs> sweat uh, it out uh, it's sweat it out but uh, the thing is like i mean that was that was a uh, uh, an example but uh but it's not about it the, the 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 situation really affect me because before I, f- I I felt a little bit sick I was thinking about that you know right and, and that's taking brain capacity out of me so I'm I'm not gonna I'm not playing the, at the same level because I'm thinking wow this is too hot I'm sweating I'm uh, you know I'm feeling uh, dizzy I'm I'm feeling sick and and that's that that really affect your playing and, and and you gotta it's not it's not even the situation it's what you're thinking while you're exactly. playing right exactly yeah you nailed it it's it's what's going through your head and how that's affecting you, the ability that you the key is the ability that you prepared for 
right? Exactly. You didn't prepare. It's not that you need to prepare to be dehydrated no, or no, sick. No. It's yeah. that you needed to pre- prepare that your your ability to play that music was at a high enough level that you could overcome that. So let's dive yeah. into that really quickly. So mm-hmm. how do we do that? How do we prepare ourselves like so that, that no matter what happens when we get up on to play, that whatever kind of music we're trying to do, you know, whatever it is, we're going to be able to nail it. Like, how do we do that? Okay, uh, there's a concept that I I heard from uh, some of my teachers, and uh, and I I've heard a, a bunch of uh, amazing and accomplished musicians talking about this, and they call uh, this the headroom, and uh, it's pretty simple though. What it means is that is that uh, we have to pretty much over prepare for any situation right so uh we have to be able to do more more than what is actually required to do on a gig um and we we can definitely practice that um and it's it's a it's it's not an, it's not anything like innovative or anything because uh a lot of different fields in in life use this kind of kind of same concept if you if you're gonna build a house, you're not gonna make the foundation just enough to support five people inside the house, right? That would be dangerous because if one day you have a party, you know the the, the house is gonna collapse. So you build <laughs> foundations so you can get a hundred people inside that house, even though only five people is gonna live in there, right? So right. it's kind of the same uh, um, concept, and you apply that to 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 music. Uh, you know, for me, for me as a drummer, maybe, uh, 90% of my gigs are going to just require me to be able to have really nice, solid, uh, uh, time feel, right. And just need to listen, um, uh, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm connecting with the people I'm playing with. And if I just practice that. Uh, I mean, I'm, I might be able to do that, but at, at the moment something comes uh, 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 to the gig, some uh, any issue, that's going to affect my playing, and, I'm, and maybe I'm not going to be able even to do that, right? So, for instance, when I, when I practice uh, comping, I, I uh, sometimes, instead of just keeping my hi-hat in two and four, I'm keeping my hi-hat on a 5-4 pattern. So I'm creating some, uh, kind of a layer of, uh, of something more difficult than, than what I'm going to do at the gig. So when I take that off and I come back to play 2 and 4 on my, on my left foot, it's so easy that it's pretty much impossible for me to, to mess it up. You know? So right. that kind of thing. So that, that's, the, that's the kind of uh, uh, what the concept actually means. It's just... Do the things that you have to do, but add layers of difficulty. So you, when when you take those off, I mean the the action that you are required to do, it becomes so easy, so second nature that just not gonna mess it up. Never, even if you want to. I resonate with that, especially with I've done this with tempos where it's like maybe I played a gig or something, and I was like, oh man, that fast tempo really kind of got me. Mm-hmm. And so if if you kind of just emulate that fast tempo, that's that's one thing. But I find that if I like over 
I, I exceed that, like go even fat, mm-hmm. like practice even faster than what that was. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden I go back to that tempo that I was struggling with. And I'm like, wait, this is way easier. And exactly. I think that's kind it of the basic, yeah. it's the basic core of, of that concept yeah. is like, what other ways, like what are maybe some other scenarios? Like we talked about tempos. We just talked about time signatures there. What are maybe some other ways to practice this headroom concept and over-prepare? I mean, it depends on what you need, basically. For instance, uh, if you're learning repertoire, right? Uh, just don't learn the song in one key, because mm. if, if you know, if one day somebody wanna wanna change the original key, you're, you know, you're doomed. So learn twelve keys, right? Uh, 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 if, uh, for instance. Um, Try to put yourself distractions on the practice room. Sometimes that is good. I remember I used to have a teacher at City College, and he uh, he asked me to trade with myself uh, for uh, you know like trading solos with myself, and uh, he would put a magazine in my in the in the sim, in the in the music stand, and he will ask me to read an article while <laughs> wow. I was trading force with myself. And uh, at first I was, uh, this is ridiculous. And I, you know, why should I be doing this? But then I realized when I stopped reading and just trading with myself, it was so much easier, you know, and just my brain capacity went up because now I took that action off and I was just able to put more focus and, and concentrate better just doing the, the, your trading force, right? That, uh, I mean, there's so many things that you can do. You can you can apply that to dynamics too. You know, if you, mm. if, you if you are working on uh, on on like wider range of dynamics, you know, just go extremely extremely soft and see if you can how how loud you can go and go extremely loud. Maybe you're never gonna use that on a gig, but if uh, if one day somebody asks you to 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 do it, you're gonna be able to do it, right? And uh, for for instance, for drummers, that's great because sometimes we play on like you know restaurant uh, gigs or or like background gigs, and you really have to play soft, mm-hmm. and that's something that drummers hate, right? And uh, but if you practice, try to practice everything that you do, and see if you can do it like extremely soft, and you see how challenging that is. But then when you go to a gig and you, and you have to play to a, a normal uh, volume, no, normal level, you're going to f- really feel the difference, though, that now you, you, you're, you're going you're gonna to be playing way better. though. So that, I mean, the, the applications are, are limitless. It's depending on whatever, you, if you need to uh, learn a repertoire and you have a bunch of charts, you know, and so play those charts uh, way faster than you are asked to do it ways uh, um, uh, slower than you have to, you know, you can apply dynamics to those charts. I mean, you can do it's, it's, uh, there's so many things, though. Right. Yeah, I love this. And I was just thinking of another one while you're talking. And like, this is a good one for, uh, I guess, horn players or anybody who, you know, has played single note lines is like a lot, a lot of times I find there's a people sometimes, especially beginners have an issue playing like longer flowing, complete lines. Like they said, sometimes tend to be a little bit choppy, like, you know, Mm -hmm. broken up like phrases and not necessarily in a nice rhythmic way. And just sort of like, I don't know how to complete this idea sort of a way. Um, And one great thing you could do in, in 
like you were saying, you wouldn't actually perform this way. And that's kind of the point. But you could just like practice going through improvising over a tune, doing all quarter notes, and you could try doing all eighth notes or all triplets. Like you wouldn't actually want mm-hmm. to perform that way, but mm-hmm. you're overemphasizing that. And by overemphasizing that, it's just going to make it easier for you to, you know, play those in a nice fluid way. Um, that's yeah. just a little idea for for people. And also, yeah. I love the, the the different keys things, and yeah. that's why I often preach the twelve keys idea or at least going through something in multiple keys and um, mm-hmm. there's so many different reasons but one re- but that's actually something I haven't really talked about before is that over preparation of just wanting to excel at a piece and maybe it's original key if you can play it in the other keys it's going to be easier that way yeah um, yeah there's another thing that you can do uh, 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 it's just work on, on different styles you know and things that maybe mm. you're never gonna do uh, on, on your life but uh but if, for instance, if you're learning a new song, you know, just don't just learn the song on a, on the traditional medium swing uh, tempo, right? You just can go and, and try to make it feel good on a Latin beat or mm. on a rock beat or on a funk beat or or if you're into African music, like you can download uh, like an Afro pop kind of beat and see if you can make uh, make the 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 melody uh you know uh feel good so all those things because you never know what kind of drummer you're gonna find and sometimes every drummer and every uh rhythm section has a different feel and mm. and and you have to kind of vary the way you you phrase your melodies and your and your phrases so uh that's another thing that you can do you know and uh it's just be creative and and uh uh, and add things to your your regular things. For instance, uh, something that I, I used to work with, I used to have this. Um, it was a piano player a student used to play with me, and uh, uh, I asked him to to do you know like comping exercises, but he was doing a sort of like an ostinato on their on his uh, feet, uh, and. Uh, just doing like like I think it was uh, a quarter notes on his mm-hmm. uh, left foot while he was playing comping, and uh, it was really challenging for him. But once once he was able to do it, and then he took that off, and the the, the I mean the 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 change was you you, you could have like perceive that immediately. You know he was way more confident just playing comping with uh, with his hands right after he he's done with that because i mean your brain just expands you know it's like oh now it's so easy that uh, you're just gonna do it better you know what i'm saying that's wow that's amazing actually that's yeah i I, when you said that i was like wow that would be something that would really help me to do something like that like that would be yeah and and it's like well of course when you're performing it's not like you're going to be top tapping you know those those dotted quarter notes, but exactly. that I mean, rhythmic it's, it's, freedom, that feeling that it that it's training so, you. Some some of these exercises are not musical, maybe uh, something that you're not gonna use on a stage. But it's just you're just training your brain. You know, just it's a uh, because you want to be able to, and and why why we do this because uh, that that um, brain capacity that we are developing. Is the one that is gonna deal with the issues that come on the stage, you know. Uh, so, uh, so 
if I, if I have uh, the, the, the noisy table right next to me and my amp is not sounding good and I'm, uh, it's, it's really hard to not think about that. But now that my brain capacity has expanded, I can deal with that and still play at a, at a high level. You know what right. I'm saying? It's, it's exactly. It's like when you're going back to when you were dehydrated and all that stuff. It's it's not that you should be able to play while you're dehydrated. It's that your level of ability was mm-hmm. so much higher than what the mm-hmm. actual musical situation called for. Exactly. So you I mean, trained yourself deal with for the that. issues that the the, uh, the issues that are right there that you're never. I mean, that's something that you cannot change, and it's it, it's not up to you. So there's always going to be something on the gig, you know, uh, the vibing guy or the, you know, the, 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 the vibing owner of the restaurant, whatever. It, it, there's so many things that can come up. And uh, but the thing is, like, you have to be able to deal with that and not let that affect your playing and doing these kind of like really hard exercises and uh they might not be musical, but uh, that's we are. Uh, these exercises is, are not um, designed to to be on the stage. They are just uh, an exercise to build up your brain capacity. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. This is such great stuff, and I just thinking about how sometimes we wonder what we should practice, and we sit there and we think. But right now, you just. I mean, you just unloaded like a million different things you could practice over and above like the basics, like, Mm -hmm. you know, learning language and learning songs and, you know, all this stuff. Like, I'm even just thinking for myself right now and for my Mm -hmm. own playing, like, okay, if I add an Afro-Cuban beat to the back of that, that's going to be super hard for me because I'm not used to that. And, Mm -hmm. but that's also going to change the way I feel everything so that when I, if I just want to play swing, I mean, well, Allison, that's going to feel so much easier for me personally. Um, so, I mean, so many things we can go with this. And I think the big challenge, the big takeaway for everybody listening right now in the audience is to think about something that you're working on right now or think about something that you're struggling with when you're going out there and playing a gig when you actually get out of the practice room and identify that and then figure out ways that you can apply this headroom concept um, and it, and just really work that piece of musical material so that you can you can perform that over and above the call of duty. And so make that your challenge this week. Diego, I want to thank you so much for uh, being on the show for just I, I mean, you're always such a great guest and I just appreciate having you and we'll continue My to have pleasure. you. Um, throughout the history of this podcast, which could be years and years and years, as long Hopefully. as uh, people will listen. And um, but I also know that you have so much to offer to you know. So there might be some people that want to learn more from you, and they want to get more from you. Um, you're a brilliant musician. So how can people you know start learning more from you, and how can they get involved in what you're doing? Uh, well, uh, people can follow me on my. Um Social media profiles. Uh, I'm on Facebook. Uh, it's uh, Diego the Drummer site, uh, and I'm also on Instagram uh, at Diego the Drummer. Uh, I am teaching. I have uh, I have uh, uh, time for uh, Skype lessons for people that is not in New York City. Uh, if you wanna, if you would like to uh, have a, a session with me. Uh, uh, like um, uh, you can go to my website. It's uh, www.diegodrummer.com, and 
you can go to the contact uh, um, page and uh, shoot me an email. And uh, I have, I have, I, I'm teaching through Skype and also have a uh, time for private students here in New York City if you are in the area. Um, and uh, and you can just, uh, <clears throat> sorry, uh, you can just reach me uh, through social media if you would like to just uh, contact me and share your your thoughts or your ideas. Always and guys, uh, guys, I totally suggest you hit Diego up on some of this stuff. Um, whether you're a drummer or not, I know that um, everybody needs to have a consulting session every once in a while with a really professional, really knowledgeable musician like Diego. So whether you are a horn player, a piano player, or a drummer, and you just need someone to check up on where you're at and get some great direction on where to go, I highly suggest that you reach out to Diego and set up a session. You can go to diegothedrummer.com forward slash contact to do that. Once again, Diego, thank you so much for just unloading uh, heaps of value today, and I uh, look forward to having you back on in the Dude, future. It's always my pleasure, and uh, thanks for having me, and hope to be back soon. All right, that's all for today's show. Hey, thank you so much for listening and for tuning in. You know, I don't take it for granted. I really do appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your day to hang out with me and, of course, hang out with our special guest, Diego Maldonado, today. And another special thanks to him just for giving up his time and just really, uh, you know, giving out his knowledge. And, uh, you know, it can't be appreciated enough. So, uh, hey, listen, uh, if you have not rated and reviewed this podcast yet, you know, left a positive rating and review on iTunes or whatever your favorite podcasting service is, I want you to go do that right now because that just helps support this show. It's a free way to do that. Uh, and uh, just really helps to have other people saying positive things about the show and other people can see that and uh, you know helps helps build, build the listener base. So if you could do that, that'd be really awesome. Take a little time to do that. I'd really appreciate that. Uh, hey, listen, uh, we're going to be coming out with another episode next week. You know, can't stop, won't stop. As long as you're here, I'm here. So I'll see you next time with episode 121. Thanks for listening to the LJS Podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes. And don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter. Hey, podcast listener, would you like to ask me a jazz question and get it answered here on the show? Then go to learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. That's learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask. I look forward to hearing your question and answering it on a future podcast episode. Learnjazzstandards.com forward slash ask or find the link in today's show notes.